everyone. Welcome to Bridgerton Fancast. We're a podcast created by two fans to discuss the show Bridgerton. But in today's episode, we're going to be doing something a little different. This is a special book club podcast where we will host a discussion on the book that season one was based on, The Duke and I. But before we begin, let's remind you who we are. I'm Michelle. I live in the States, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Musings. And my name is Rita. I live in England, and I'm back on Instagram and Twitter at Annoying Rita for anybody who wants to follow my journey with Wordle. Every day is a struggle. Wordle Wordle brought you back to the the interwebs. Let's hope it's worth it. (laughs) Okay, so it's been a while since we last discussed our relationship with the series Mm -hmm. so just to give you all a little refresher i'm the book reader of the two of us i first read the books back in the early 2000s remember that time Mm -hmm. it was it was unfortunate for my eyebrows and (laughs) my fashion sense I was just a tween with a library card and an inappropriate obsession with romance novels. I was too young to read. Um, Michelle here is the Bridgerton noob who never read the books and got roped into this podcast by me. Uh, She's been tasked with staying hashtag spoiler free. And this is her first time ever reading the series. Unlike me, the old veteran, I've read it arguably too much uh, so between us i feel like we will have pretty much every reading of this book covered hashtag facts we are going to get it done <laughs> yes so a little bit of uh history the duke and i by julia quinn who i believe is from the pacific northwest but i could be wrong about that she lives in seattle Ooh. you could bump into her at any time well, that sounds like fun. Yes. <laughs> uh, Don't go knock on the uh, door. No, that I, I, pr- I promise. No, no, I, I, I won't do that. <laughs> uh, it was first published by Avon Books January 5th, 2000. So right after Y2K, when everybody was running around stocking up on water and um, emergency supplies because the world was going to come to an end. My family did not do that, by the way. We were all, like, getting drunk in Portugal. I was seven. No, I was ten. So I was like, this seems fine. Let's just ignore the impending doom. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it was it was stupid ridiculous here. Anyway, this was not her first book. She had been writing romance novels since ni- 1995. And she would go on to have over... 47 novels as of this podcast because yes she's still writing um, she's only 50 she's got oh, like she's another got 50 another, years like, of writing like, in her oh, absolutely absolutely oh my lord and by Julia Quinn's own admission this book was only a modest success on publication um, she had a deal for a trilogy but it wasn't until the next novel the Viscount Who Loved Me, which is what season two is based on. Um, once it was released, the Bridgerton hype train really got rolling. Um, she has also admitted that she struggled with naming the book and fondly recalls a time <laughs> when she wanted to call it 
Daphne's Bad Hair Day, which I think we can all agree is the best name for a book ever. Yes. (laughs) I don't know how it would have done um, commercially with the name. Um, but Isn't it better? (laughs) (laughs) Better than the Duke and I, you know, but, you know, I, I get it. I get, I get it. <laughs> I love a pun, so I'm I'm yes. always here for this. Uh, so I started to do like a really long recap of the book, but like partway through the third chapter, it was oh, like God. half a page long, and I think I was like, "This is pointless." Uh, we <laughs> should be familiar with the intricacies of the plot by now. Uh, so mm-hmm. how about we just start off? discussing the book itself like irrespective of the adaptation i mean i have to just ask you the most important question if you ask me mm-hmm. um, are you a romance romance novel reader and how familiar are you with the tropes um i would have to say um absolutely um <laughs> Yay. um i started reading uh romance novels i think i was maybe about 12, 13 years old. Um, it's a good age. For yeah, this. you know, and, you know, you I just would get hit those. puberty. <laughs> I would get those, you know, really thin little uh, romance novels. I can't remember the, the publisher's name, but, you know, they were just pulp romance novels where, you know, you were in the formula, uh, you know, like they hate each other. Something happens. They love each other. They love each other. There's another thing that happens. They get angry and then they get back together. So And it's like a hundred pages long and you're like, that yeah. was a good ride. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, oh, is this how a romance works? <laughs> uh, no. No, it's not. No. It it's not. Um, so yeah, um it's been uh a part of romance novel and uh, romantic novels um, have been a uh, part of my reading um, for many, 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 many years. Many. I years. mean, I ask the question because I have read some reviews from people who were like, don't read romance novels, and were like, oh my god, this book is so formulaic and predictable, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the whole point. Babe. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> This is what a romance novel is about. Deal with it. You go in knowing exactly <laughs> what's going to happen and who's going to be with who. And that's the joy of it. Yes. Sure, there are people that, that, that take that formula and really build upon it and create, you know, a really amazing storyline. Um, you know, but... What I what I just shared, that is the basic skeleton of, you know, like Pride and Prejudice, you know, yeah. when you think about it. Though um, I have argued hugely with people that that is not a romance novel. Like, No, it is not. <laughs> it definitely set the archetype for romance novels and yes. without Jane Austen, romance novels would not exist. But yeah. I'm constantly yeah. like... That's not a romance novel, people. You can't write uh-uh. a romance novel before the genre exists. Like, no, calm no. down. <laughs> and 
Also, <laughs> when I was... Breguet Jean Page gave some very unfortunate quotes about romance novels where he referenced uh, Mr. Darcy, and I was like, nope, he's no. not Mm-mm. a romance novel hero. <laughs> so, sorry, no, guys. No, 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 no. He is, he is a romantic novel mm-hmm. hero, which is, you know, why how I distinguish between the two. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you know. One is a whole genre, and the other is a storyline. <laughs> So yes. Mm-hmm. Just exactly. The romance genre didn't really even exist until the 20th century. So you can't mm-hmm. write a book before you know what the genre is, babes. And that for them's the rules. Yes. And yes. this is the hill we will die on. <laughs> <laughs> I got my sword. You ready? <laughs> any, any takers? Don't, actually, don't come at me. I, I just got yeah. on Twitter to yeah. ruin it already. Yeah, yeah. Please don't. Yeah, yeah. Please don't. We don't want her running away again because that that was that bad. was sad. Yeah, um, it was. So, what was it like reading this book for the first time? And did you enjoy it overall? Um, uh, yeah, I did. I did. I did uh, enjoy it. Um, it was funny. Um, you know, obviously, when she wrote the book, you know, she was writing it as you know you kind of your traditional romance novel would be, you know, it's not, you're not going to see interracial relationships or, or anything like that, at least not back in those days. And so it was strange, uh, you know, with Simon's description being, you know, with blue, blue eyes. eyes and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, no, chocolate I mean- brown eyes. <laughs> Sexy, sexy man. Other than the blue eyes, though, I think Reggae Jean Page fills the description of being hotter than Michelangelo's David. I think that's absolutely that's fair. Yes, yes, yes. Were you still picturing the same actors, or like? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it was like I read the descriptions at first, and I was like, Nah, I'm just gonna keep. I'm gonna keep. keep, Daphne's a blonde now. I'm gonna keep my people in my head. Yes, and it's like. and they don't all have the same hair color. And, you know, nope, these are the people that are going to be playing this part in my brain. So I was happily using them as my little puppets uh, as I was <laughs> as I was reading it. But uh, um, I did enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. Yay. Well, I'm glad I didn't make <laughs> you read something you hated. <laughs> uh, this would have been a whole different podcast. If yeah. That was the case. <laughs> um. So what did you think about the style of the novel? Was it what you expected? I mean, you're familiar with the genre, so probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I I knew as soon as I as soon as I got started, I was like, okay, here we go. What's the formula? It goes down so smoothly. It does. I've read this book twice in the past couple of weeks oh. because I have to <laughs> read it to sort of plan out the questions mm-hmm. and then I read it again to like analyze the damn thing. <laughs> so, and both times I was just like whipping through it. It's really easy, yeah. really short. Yeah. She has a writing style that is so readable. Mm-hmm. And I think people underestimate how much talent is involved in making something that readable Mm -hmm. yeah so many shitty books (laughs) have really um profound writing styles and it's just a whole ass mess and i think one thing i noticed rereading it um is the like wild shifts in tone Mm -hmm. um it sort of goes from like comedy to melodrama (laughs) which i personally love i grew up on telenovelas this is my jam but it takes a lot of skill to be able to shift so dramatically from like some like hearted family scenes to like 
let's call it rape because that happened and then all of the trauma dumping that simon does it's just she's very good at adapting to what the book needs in that moment Mm -hmm. and i was like i'm quietly impressed by julia quinn's writing style shout out woman and clearly uh it's resonated you know if she has been able to continue writing and has 47 books under her belt um as of today um you know so i i am i'm looking forward to reading the rest of the books but i know we have a ways to go before i can do that so i'm gonna be patient It's not that long till you can read the second one. Well, you know. I know, but uh, but I know you it... waited a whole last year to read the Duke and I. Oh, so. That's true. Mm. That's true. That's true. So, is there anything you didn't enjoy about the novel? <sighs> I'm hard pressed to put my finger on something. Um, you know, it was it was a enjoyable romp of a read, and it's been a while since I've read a romance novel, and so it was refreshing uh i think you know the the last the last book that i read and this is going to sound so pathetic uh the last books were the poldark books you know i i haven't had time to read a whole lot of uh of uh non-business related uh books uh over the course of the last several years and um you know the the poldark books they're pretty damn meaty um and there's a lot definitely yeah in comparison to these um you know it's it takes some real focus and concentration uh to get through those um but you know the i've find that enjoyable in an entirely different way than I do this genre. This was, this was, uh, really a pleasant, a pleasant experience. And I, I, I can't wait to get to the part where we talk about the things that weren't in the show. <laughs> because there's a whole I remember lot. like talking to you about the books while we were doing our podcast for season one and like i kept trying to explain to you it's really really freaking different and you're like yeah okay how different can it be and like now that you've like all right yeah now you've read it do you understand (laughs) i don't i don't really get it and it's gonna be you know it's it's gonna be uh pretty jaw-dropping when you finally get in and read it but it it is a there is a laundry list of things (laughs) that weren't in the books that wound up in the show. And I think, I think that demonstrates, and it's funny, you know, coming from, yeah, coming from uh, an individual that, you know, was pretty, um, oh, pretty hard on the adaptations of the, the Poldark books. I think that's a, a delicate way of putting it. But, um, you know, the fact that they omitted so many things out of the series, um, it's, and put in things, um, I, I, it turned out, it turned out that it worked really, really well. I think the movie or the show adaptation, they did a really good job on adapting, uh, this book for a miniseries. One thing I think I don't really enjoy about the novel is the timeline. It's incredibly mm-hmm. rushed. Yeah. This complaint I have of all of her books, to be honest, uh-huh. it's like there's a rush to the altar. They know each other for like two days, <laughs> get married, and then there's, there's almost like a three month period of time in like the last chapter of the novel. Oh, jeez. That's just strange pacing. I understand why she has to do it, but it's just like, girl, 
Slow down. down. Slow down. Slow down. There's a lot to take in. A lot yeah, happens. It's like, it's like you don't, you're not trying to fit this into a hundred page pulp fiction book. You just uh, chill. Chill, baby. You know, chill. <laughs> so, um, favorite scenes. Mm. Um, you got any? I think, I think the scene where they are uh, telling Anthony about the, the scheme that they're. <laughs> that they're uh, doing. Uh, I thought that was absolutely hysterical. Uh, and that would have been so much fun to see with right. those actors. It would have been so much fun to see that on screen um, because it's just so comical. <laughs> I I loved the wedding scene where Gregory's having his little sneezing fit and then Daphne and Simon can't help but start laughing because they're sneezing for like the sixth time and it's just so sweet and then Hyacinth's little line about them spending their life laughing together I was like this is so wholesome I love this little family it's so cute I mean Hyacinth 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 in general yes Hyacinth basically stole my heart she she just stole it the the scene where um uh simon is having uh dinner with them for the first time and you know she's basically peppering him with questions and she's flirting with him yeah and yes and at the end of it you know she says well you know if you don't marry my if you don't marry daphne i would very much appreciate it if you would wait for me (laughs) so cute (laughs) was like Oh my god, how could you not fall in love with that little girl? Oh she, I mean, you're gonna adore her book. She's just a queen. Oh. I I love her. Um, oh god. I also love that the there's that mirroring of the first chapter and the epilogue where Simon's sort of mimicking Violet. Um yes. like he's gone full circle. And he went from being like this outsider who like didn't care about Lady Whistledown. And now he like reads Lady Whistledown religiously and complains. And he's just like turned into Violet. And Daphne has basically married her mother. And I find that just perfect. Oh, God. Um, Yeah, it is. Oh, I hope hope that y'all give these books a try because it's really, really fun. And I think given the last two and a half years where, you know, we've been living in shit, basically. Yeah. Um, You know, this is this is a book that will be um, lighthearted, joyful read, especially if you've seen the show and uh, you have that information, that background in your head while you're reading it it's just it's just lovely speaking of um favorite quote i mean my one's my favorite quote from the book is really random (laughs) i was like this made me laugh for some reason and i was like this is like the essence of why i like this relationship in this novel so it's from a chapter i've highlighted it in my kindle it's chapter 21 i think on page 300 and something um and simon she yelped he arched one brow yes what are you doing trying to seduce you am i succeeding her face colored uh, probably she mumbled hey, probably <laughs> damn i must be losing my touch yeah, i know uh- <laughs> i'm just like the banter is so good they're so lighthearted, yes. and this is right after they've had their <laughs> they've had the most dramatic ass reconciliation and they're just like 
snapped right back into just being yes. cute with each other. <laughs> Corny, oh, but still gosh. cute. Yes. Um, I, God, I, I, it's hard for me to, to say, I, I would say probably the, the line that Hyacinth, uh, says about, uh, I would very much appreciate you waiting for me, um, because it's, it's such a, oh, you, you're going to be that girl. <laughs> yeah. Kind, kind of, uh, but can't you tell line. that from the show? Oh, like, yeah. I think the, the actress they chose is just so perfect. She's so hyacinth. You're like, she is the boss and she's in yes. charge. Yes. <laughs> um, and the fact that uh, her um, her mother is keenly aware of all of the sneaky pee flinging uh, <laughs> that's going on. <laughs> she's just choosing to ignore it. <laughs> yeah. And I love that hyacinth is the one that's flinging the peas and not Gregory. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Of course she is. Queen Hyacinth. Um, speaking of the show, mm-hmm. here is the list I have compiled of the most major differences I noticed between the show and books. It mm-hmm. sort of just ended up being a plot summary towards the end because the back half of the season is so incredibly different. But yeah. um, here's, the, here's the list, people, and it's a long one. And I didn't even mention the fact that all of the races of the characters have changed because isn't that obvious? You know. Yeah, yeah you know. Okay, so... Simon was not raised by Lady Danbury, but by Nurse Hopkins, who seems like a nice lady. She mm-hmm. was nice. Um, Daphne, not a debutante. She's been out for two seasons in society and considered one of the boys, which is... Oh, crazy. isn't that uh, just... Is, isn't that relatable? <laughs> relatable queen, Daphne Bridgerton. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. she, Daphne had four proposals, but Anthony has allowed her to reject them all because Anthony is normal and nice in this book. Yeah, uh, including... he's not a lunatic. Oh my god! Yes, this... <laughs> yes, this is my main complaint. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he also rejected Nigel versus the show where he insists she just marries the first man that asks her because he's mm-hmm. like real desperate he's like please make this problem go away yes because <laughs> I need him. to get back I need to get back to my opera singer so I, I don't want to think about this anymore so oh god uh let's see uh Colin has been traveling on the continent when the book starts and returns to London from Amsterdam and in the show he is uh younger and has yet to get into all of his travels. Daphne and Simon meet at Lady Danbury's ball after Daphne punches out Nigel who is drunkenly attempting to uh convince her to to marry her um and be No, he wants to marry Laffy. He's not marrying Yes, Laffy. Marrying Laffy. <laughs> Laffy, I love you Laffy. Um <laughs> Oh, God. Um, Simon is attracted to her before he realizes that she is Anthony's sister. And I mean, honestly, in in the book, it was like he was he was he was going to pounce. He was going to pounce. He was. Yeah. And and as soon as he was, he was horny. And and as soon as he finds out, it's like comically uh, breaks skidding, you know, the sound of breaks skidding record uh needle going across the record the, the whole thing um it's it's pretty hilarious um good moment 
Yeah, it is. Um, Simon's reason for the ruse makes much more sense in the book. On his return to London, he realizes his friends have all gotten married and he will be attending social events at their wife's invitation. So Daphne's presence as a decoy actually benefits him. And the ruse... I was just going to say, like, that makes so much more sense. In the show, you're like, why are you at these mm-hmm. pies? What's up, mate? I had forgotten yeah. about this in the books. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that that makes total sense. Uh, and the ruse was incepted uh, on the night that they met. Anthony is in on this ruse. <laughs> Key change here. He mm-hmm. actually knows what's going on and nobody's lying to him. They feel like not explaining explaining it just antagonizes him unnecessarily so you know yeah brilliant um go ahead and let him know Mm -hmm. it just makes more sense doesn't it um there's no queen charlotte and therefore no prince friedrich storyline yeah by german prince um (gasps) at lady trowbridge's pool i don't know how we pronounce that anymore guys uh daphne wanders into the garden with simon fully intending to hook up with him Oh yeah. Um, Anthony catches said hookup with Simon about to suck on Daphne's nipple, which is a thousand times worse yeah. than in the series because no one wants their brother seeing their boobs. Yeah, she had oh my god, it out. It was just no. It was <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> understandably upset. Anthony. Yes. Yes. The beatdown was spectacular. Oh, it was great. He got I a mean, punch from he got a punch from both Anthony and Daphne. So satisfying. <laughs> yes. One thing they didn't change was the amount of times he gets punched. It's a lot of yeah. people. Uh, <laughs> they got a special license in the books with no problem because he's a freaking duke and he can get anything he wants. Uh, mm-hmm. The wedding is really cute and happy, and no one looks sad. Yeah, Different. Simon does not look like he's marching up to a firing squad. Um, let's see. Daphne tells Simon that her mother explained nothing about the marital act, as Violet called it, and Simon is like, I love this for me, okay? <laughs> he's literally thinking, well, this is convenient. Uh-huh. Um, I'll be your blanket was the sexy line of the book, and it's really bad they so bad. they do they do say the phrase um he burned for her in a couple of places in the book but uh it's never said it's out not loud. dialogue it's not no, dialogue, it's not dialogue. So it doesn't count um, mm. they say i'll be your blanket <laughs> <laughs> um yeah <sighs> sorry yeah. julia Mm-hmm. Um, when they get to the estate, there's no getting to know the villagers storyline because, you know, we don't care about peasants. Um, unlike the show, uh, Mrs. Colson takes to Daphne straight away and she immediately starts talking to her about seed, which is like, okay, that's a weird one to start off with. Uh, but, uh, talking to her about seed, it takes a while for Daphne to work out what she means, but as soon as she does, she immediately confronts Simon. Simon immediately explains why he doesn't want children. They argue about it for two days, and then Simon goes and gets shit-faced drunk. I mean, ugly drunk. (laughs) Beaten up by sailors and the whole nine yards. No, he beat up the sailor. He... he and everyone else was like, oh, man, let's stay away from him. That guy is angry. <laughs> oh, God. Choices were yeah, made. But, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awkward. 
So drunk Simon gets into bed with Daphne, and when they wake up a few hours later, Daphne explicitly thinks about taking taking advantage of the power she has over her vulnerable husband. Uh, the rest of the scene is just the same assault from the show. Um, and then afterwards, when they argue, Simon is so upset he starts stammering again, but like a yeah. lot more stammering. Yeah. Than we ever got in the show. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike the show, Simon then writes Daphne a note that he's just gonna be leaving for a while in one of his <laughs> estates, and he stays gone for three whole months. Excellent yeah. marriage. Uh, <laughs> Daphne is like, well, fuck this, and she travels to London alone, where she begins to suspect she is pregnant. After a good two months goes past, she <laughs> finally sends Simon a note via a very pissed off Anthony who's like, I'm gonna go beat him up again. <laughs> You're hurting my sister? Time for your Hurting face to face. get fucked up. <laughs> yes. Better pray I don't break your nose. Um, after Simon gets yelled at by Anthony, he reads the note and immediately runs back to London to make up with Daphne. <clears throat> he catches up with Daphne as she falls off her horse. He's horrified and comes to rescue her. She breaks down and admits she was wrong about being pregnant. Simon confesses he's changed his mind. Kissy, kissy, makeup. I think that's the technical term, right? Kissy, kissy, makeup. <laughs> kissy, kissy, makeup. Um, in the epilogue, they have three girls, Amelia, I wanted to say Belinda, I and I just mangled that. Bel- I don't that's know what it is. Yeah, and Caroline, before their son is, their son is born. So, in conclusion... No opera singers, orgies, Marina, remember her? I'd rather not. Uh, boxing or Lady Whistledown Sleuthing. Also, no Mr. Featherington. He already did. Yeah. So we don't even have that whole uh, mess of a storyline to deal with either. I wouldn't even call that a storyline. That was like 30 seconds of the episode, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he walks Pretty into much. a room and then it's like, he's dead. And then Portia cries. <laughs> yes. Oh lord. Yeah, anyway. So so yeah, all those things are missing and wasn't it a blessed relief? Like I said, they did a great job at at adapting uh the storyline. Um but then they threw in all of this craziness. And you know, I don't know if if the since I haven't read the books, you know, I don't know if any of it was a setup for, you know, coming seasons. Most of it was only if you squint. Uh-huh. I mean, was Anthony such a freaking idiot um, in season one so that he could be all serious about this whole finding a wife thing in season two? I don't know. I don't really see how they're related, though. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Ooh, Let's not get yes. ahead of ourselves. We have yes. some processes to get through. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what was the most surprising change for you? I think it was, I think it was the fact that um, Lady Danbury was not as close to Simon in the books as she was in the movies. I mean, she was, uh, as described, always very kind to him as a, as a boy. But, you know, in the film, you know, you think that, you think that, you know, Lady Danbury was related to, um, Simon's mother, um, you know, like a sister or an aunt or something like that. Um, and that's why she is, you know, so close and insistent on uh, bringing him up. Um, 
And so I think that was uh, more of a surprise that she was not as close to Simon as she was in the, in the show. So I don't know if it's obvious in the books yet, but Lady Danbury is significantly older in the books than she's portrayed on screen. Oh, oh, what? okay. She is, okay, so I don't know how old she is, but one of the love interests of one of the kids is her grandson. So he's... Oh. And in the show, you think she's more like around Violet's age. They seem sort of like in the same Uh generation. But she would be like Violet's mother's age in the books. Mm -hmm. So that was Mm -hmm. like an interesting choice. I remember when they cast Adjua, I was like, wow, she's real young. (laughs) And she looks (laughs) still so young. (laughs) So, so Mm -hmm. young that you're like... Are you 30? What's going on? Why are you his mother figure? You look like you could be his young aunt. Like, what's going on? Um, It's not something I dislike because I think she's such an amazing actress that it just sort of works on screen. But I do sort of miss the sort of cranky old lady aspect because I relate. Uh, they tried to make her a little bit cranky, but it, 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 it's not nowhere near what it would be if she was, you know, a really old lady. Um, yeah. You know, the, the humps, the humps that she made would have, would have been and sounded much diff, more different than, uh, if we had show, uh, Lady Danbury saying humph. I kind of picture someone a bit like, Maggie Smith and Downton Abbey, like that kind of so out of touch with, so, so incredibly out of touch with the youth, but still also hilariously right all of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, that would be awesome. Um, Were there there aspects of the book you prefer from the show? Uh, The fact that we had so much more dancing scenes. You know, they dance in the book, but, you know, it, it's absolutely not featured. Um, you know, it, it it's mentioned, it's referenced, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, the scenes where the two of them are dancing, that, that was just lovely. Um, but I digress. Um, scenes that I wish had stayed in the show. Um, I honestly think that the little quip, I'm stuck on the little quip that Hyacinth said, that would have been adorable at that first dinner. I mean, it, the, the first dinner was really just so much fun. Um, they kept a lot of that in the, in the show though. That was one of the few scenes mm -hmm. that I remember being like, oh, this is from the book and he's, there's peas being flung. (laughs) yes but yeah i would have loved to have seen uh hyacinth um say something like that and you know daphne going hyacinth you know (laughs) that kind of thing (laughs) um that would have been hilarious um (laughs) but yeah i have a huge list (laughs) Uh, oh 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 please bear with me um do go on so i think the character of simon is a lot better adapted or developed in the book um when Mm -hmm. you do a side-by-side comparison 
you can see how much context is missing like mm-hmm. from the show's depiction of his childhood especially around his mm-hmm. surrounding his stutter i also mm-hmm. think that the whole bit with his father like the new the you know after he goes to um oxford and he's graduated and he comes back to london mm-hmm. and his father has suddenly done a 180 and in public he's yeah he's acting like he's a proud father i think that's really important and it's completely mm-hmm. missing from the show i think that's also like re-traumatizing him in a yeah. way because oh absolutely and i think it ex- it really explains his desire to not want to fulfill his role as the duke i think it mm-hmm. he suddenly like a switch has gone on and he's like well i'm not gonna be the duke you want me to be mm-hmm. and yeah with that scene missing it's just the show doesn't really explain doesn't explain why he's self-sabotage self-sabotaging like that mm-hmm. the audience like a lot of people that i've spoken to just completely blew off his decision making and they were just like oh he's just being selfish or dumb or like why doesn't he just have children and i think that you'd be more sympathetic to his thought mm-hmm. process if you were there in the moment with him when he's making those choices and i also think that the choice of having him stuttering in all those scenes with daphne in like really emotional moments is really powerful i wish they had kept those moments in because so much of his struggle in the books is about his stutter and him not wanting his children to grow up and also have this stutter and they talk mm-hmm. about that and like why why he might not want to have children because he's scared that they will end up like him and he doesn't want his children to go through the same childhood he had and like struggle yeah. to find their voice and i think that's so yeah. powerful and moving and it's completely absent mm-hmm. instead yeah we got some bullshit yeah. boxing storyline so okay <laughs> <laughs> i also think even outside of all that trauma, Simon's much more well-rounded in the novel. Like, he has this relationship with Lady Danbury, and he, he dances mm-hmm. with Penelope when no one else will. And yes. He's just very broody and dark in the show, and there are more layers mm-hmm. to this man. He, like, cares that his friends have married, and he wants to go to their social events because he doesn't want to upset people. I feel like in mm-hmm. the show, he would just be like, fuck this i'm not going (laughs) Um, he's like bye i don't have any friends i'm leaving and it doesn't really make much sense that he sticks around like i guess he's attracted to daphne but there's no reason for him to go to all these parties and i think it's just it just i feel like i know simon better and then that Mm -hmm. makes the relationship better for me because it's like two well-rounded people meet meeting and like finding their match mm-hmm. yeah. um i did i did um really like the fact that um the two of them almost recognize um uh, you know straight off the bat that um they are very good friends um yes. that there is a there is a genuine friendship that um is developing um and uh you know it's like okay now i get why Simon says what he says to the Queen yeah. on the show. <laughs> it's completely uh, missing in the show, but it's a good uh, speech. Yeah. 
and and you understand now that it truly was um, uh, a, a friendship that both of them acknowledge uh, very early on in their their ruse, um, almost from the the first time they're um, alone they're, together, uh, alone with one another. You know, they're the the banter uh, that they have is just wonderful, and uh, you know, it, it's that the kind of thing that you know you you only have with someone that you you are uh, connected with at a at a really deep level and it's it was it was great it was great i'd have to say that the uh the the friendship between the two of them uh you know prior to their getting married was lovely to to watch i think one thing the show i mean the the best moments of the show for me were when they were being like they were giggling ballrooms together and they were being really cutesy mm-hmm. Um, the show leans too heavily in on the angst of it later on. I think mm-hmm. to make a romance work, and Julia really understands this, you need to feel like it's fun and it's light mm-hmm. and you're enjoying watching two people be together. And it's not all just like crying and like, why can't we be together with our misunderstandings? Mm-hmm. It's like you have to feel like it's worth fighting for. And they started to develop them and then I feel like mm-hmm. as soon as they hooked up in that garden, it was like downhill from there in terms of their communication. In yeah. the books, even when they're fighting, I feel like they're making really valid points and they're communicating with each mm-hmm. other and they're talking it through. That's just there's no mm-hmm. talking at all in the series. They just stare at each <laughs> other and then get hurt. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I suppose because if you allow people to talk in a TV show, they have to talk to like a conclusion, but it's, it's annoying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there anything you think didn't really work very well in the books? In the book, um, singular. You know, I think if I have if I have a complaint about uh, romance novels in general, it's how quickly the uh, the pair reconcile after the the thing that happens that splits them up. Um, yeah. You know, towards the end, it's like the reconciliation is, it happens so fast and it's so instantaneous and then it's the end. Um, and, you know, that's the, that's the trope, um, or part of the, the trope. Um, and, you know, this was really no different. I do think that, the way that they handled it uh, in the show was um, I, I, that I appreciated. Um, I appreciated how they they managed it in the show. It didn't feel the pacing like, of it is just better, yeah. isn't it? Because it's yeah. it's not over and done with in like one episode. It's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. several episodes yeah. of hurt, which is better. I think the the show is much more aware that Violet let her daughter down. In that yes. scene where she's trying to explain the birds and the bees to Daphne. Yes. I mean, yes. in the novel, it just comes off as like like this funny scene. Isn't it funny that her mother mm. is setting her up for a terrible marriage? And it's like, no, this is yeah. terrible. She's ruined her daughter's marriage. Um, <laughs> in general, I think the show is a lot more plugged into the like the social structures Mm-hmm. And how they impact on these characters 
choices and decisions and how the patriarchy is like screwing up Violet and then she's screwing up her daughter. I think just they're just plugged into that a lot more than Julia would be. Well, Julia would. I mean, it's a romance novel. You don't want to be like preached out (laughs) about the patriarchy (laughs) when you're reading a romance novel. But I think injecting that into this story is important and it just it just works better when you're watching the show. Yeah, yeah. And I also just the whole assault in general feels different. Um, Mm -hmm. I think just having it in the context of a romance novel and then having the assault happen is really jarring (laughs) when you read it. It's just horrible. Mm -hmm. It feels really incongruous to the tone of the rest of the book and then you're like oh there's mm-hmm. this and there's something about reading a romance novel you know the two people are going to end up together at the end like you've already bought into this relationship and you know mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna resolve the rape yeah when you're watching it on the tv like there's a actual possibility they might not end up together you know this mm-hmm. might have ended that relationship so i think it mm-hmm. works better just because of the context does that make sense i feel like i'm just speaking nonsense sometimes (laughs) no uh no that does make sense um you know in 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 the the book um it you're it's it's a horrible um it's a horrible scene um and uh really tragic when you know simon discovers what happened and he just basically melts down and not mm-hmm. in um an angry way but uh it it is it is clearly a trauma um yeah. and you recognize it as a trauma um in the show it's there's none of that there's simon being pissed off that daphne's done this and um you know like I trusted you, blah, 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 blah. But in the book, this is very clearly um, a trauma. You know, he has a, mm-hmm. a trauma response. And yeah. um, it's it's horrible. It's horrible to see. That would have been, that would have been a pretty amazing to see uh, in the show, quite frankly. I mean, when you think about the context of when this was written, and she was writing this in 1999, so mm-hmm. the fact that, she, you know, Yes, she wrote it, and I don't think she was fully aware of how people would read it as rape, like, 20 years later, Mm -hmm. we're all much more knowledgeable about it, but Mm -hmm. I still have to give her some props, because she tries to handle the situation and talk about it, and the show did so much work trying to just ignore it, and just, like, sort of talk around the subject, where Daphne and Simon actually talk about it in the novel, and I, you know, I don't love how she wrote that conversation because I think there's a little bit of victim blaming and Mm -hmm. Simon makes some excuses that I'm not really comfortable with, but I never felt like it wasn't dealt with. You know, I felt like these two people solved that and decided to try and get move past it with their lives together. Mm -hmm. In the show, Mm -hmm. I just, I just felt like, like it was not talked about. It was just nothing happened. And I think part of that does a huge disservice to the character of Simon again, because it was a trauma he endured. And just like the other ones, 
like it just gets brushed past like he has to just get over it and you never really see him actually doing the work to move past all of these traumas he just magically goes you know what i've decided i'm gonna be a father and it doesn't yeah yeah yeah. it's just weird (laughs) like the more I, i know i enjoyed the show but the more i think about how they wrote his character i'm just so disappointed because he's so well rounded in the book yeah there were opportunities there were opportunities that were missed to make simon um multi-dimensional exactly and i think reggae would have done a lot of work oh yeah. a lot of good work um yeah. but instead he was licking spoons <laughs> we got that yeah. yeah he's like his his thing was i must be hot <laughs> But you can be I hot and be hot. tortured. Yes, 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 yes. We love a hot, tortured guy. Um, yes, indeed. I, we I could, feel could, like you must fix him. I, I feel like Simon got all the hot, and then Anthony got all of the tortured, and then it was like these two characters can't have more than one facet. Oh God! One thing I did want to mention is like. Not to make excuses for this book, but I grew up reading some really questionable 90s romance novels that had some (laughs) really gross, quote-unquote, forced seduction scenes. Um, And I think Daphne's behaviour in that scene exists within the parameters of the genre. Not Mm -hmm. like the world we live in today. We have like much more of a sense of issues around consent. And I don't want to be, like, an apologist for it, but there's a lot of forced seductions with male heroes, and they get away mm-hmm. with so much shit from people. Um, I yeah. feel like sometimes, um, especially in fandom discourse, Daphne gets a lot of shit. I mean, yes, she commits a rape. <laughs> so again, mm-hmm. not an excuse, she's still a rapist. But within the context of the genre... It's not really that bad. <laughs> I can't believe no. I said that out loud. No. But I've read uh, so much worse. No. And people still love and adore those heroes. But Daphne's like mm. all of her flaws and all of the, her issues. And I think she gets slated for it while the men get praised. I think that's also something we have to take into consideration yeah. here. Oh god, I've read yeah. so many bad romance novels and it's just all coming back to me. <laughs> oh god. Oh god, we've been talking oh. for nearly an hour and I've still got more to cover. Okay. Oh, okay, let's let's Focus. let's go. Okay. So this I I've put under miscellaneous facts because um it didn't really fit in with the rest of the conversation. So let's talk about the fact mm-hmm. that there is a fourth Featherington daughter. Dun, dun, dun. I know. <laughs> Felicity, oh, who is oh. only 10 in 1813, was this like brand new information? <laughs> yes. It's like, wait, what? Um, the way that they were described um, in the book was kind of hilarious. You know, Isn't when it they, just like they are in the show, though. Yeah. You know, just this kind of profusion of lace and, and bold colors and. You know, the whole nine yards. And um, one thing, there, there's like an animosity between uh, Violet and um, Lady Featherington that we don't really... I would say 
I would say competitive energy, not so much animosity. Okay. Because they have this vibe where they still socially interact. And it's like that competitive mum energy where they'll be like, well, my daughter mm-hmm. went to Harvard. Mm-hmm. Well, mine married a doctor. They'll, they're friends just so they can brag, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it seemed a li- it seemed cooler than, um, and I don't mean in a hip kind of way, um, <laughs> but it just seemed uh, cooler than it was depicted in the show. But anyway. Well, I feel like they hated each other in the show because, <laughs> so you know, that first look <laughs> across the... Yes, across the, the road. The, the road. Yeah. Where they like sort of fake nodded each other. Where, you know, all Violet of the girls are... can't stand the family when she's over there for dinner. She's just like, yes. oh. <laughs> so fake. Oh, Violet, you are so bad. Oh, God. But anyhow. Oh, Violet. Yeah. Um, so in Chapter 6, there's a reference to a Mr. Crane hmm. that I, when I was reading, I was like, oh, shit, he's in the first book? <laughs> what the fuck? Julia. Um, so that has to be Philip Crane, future yes. Sir Philip Crane. Uh, his brother was pro- presumably still alive and called Sir Crane, right? I was mm-hmm. just like, did you catch this? Did it- Nobody talks about this and it freaked me out. I was like, did you plan this? What's going on? Does she only have like a certain amount of names that she reuses it? I'm just... Oh, I just freaked the fuck out. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um so this is not the first appearance appearance of Lady Danbury in a Julia Quinn novel. The character first showed up in How to Marry a Marquis. Uh I've read that book, but I cannot remember anything about it. Uh, which was published <laughs> the year before this one was published, so nineteen ninety nine. Uh Lady Danbury appears in every Bridgerton novel, a few of the spin offs and just in random other books that Judy has written since. I hope that she gets like a whole prequel series because I'm just fascinated by her. Um, Long may she reign over us with her sass and her cane. Yes. Um, (laughs) um, Before we left off, I thought I would mention that on Sunday, Mm -hmm. I went to a Bridgerton event at the Kiln (laughs) Theatre. It was hosted by the very adorable Jim Carter of oh. Bessie's dad fame. Oh. Um, he, or I suppose if you're a normal person, you would think of him as the butler from Downton Abbey. Yes. Um, he's magical in person. Oh. And I, <laughs> he kept cracking Nicola up. She was sat next <laughs> to him and he would make a dad joke. And Nicola just halfway through, they had to stop because Nicola was laughing so much, just like crying, <laughs> laughing to herself. Oh my goodness. So um, in attendance was Adjua, Golda, Ruth, uh, Nicola, Bessie, of course, and mm-hmm. Martins and uh, Luke Thompson. They were all there. Oh, they were oh, so neat. sweet, funny. They talked so passionately, passionately and intelligently about the show. 
Um, they kept oh. trying to give us tiny hints about season two, but then Jim Carter would be like, no, you cannot. <laughs> Netflix have written me several emails. <laughs> Please do not mention like, the sheer panic that would overcome him whenever somebody asked a question about season two. <laughs> it's so oh funny. my gosh. Um, if you want to see what that was like, um, head on over to are in the books instagram i d- documented my night as best i could i obviously couldn't film the damn thing because yes. jim carter was standing in front of me being like you don't need to film it everybody turn your phones <laughs> off it's not so right i thought i would i thought i'd listen to carson okay he's yes. he's right there yes. i can't disobey him Mm-mm. um yeah that, that was would fun. be rude it would be rude <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, how fun is that? Um, I'm, I'm slightly envious, but you know. Maybe one okay. day. Yeah, oh yeah. You can go, you, you take the opportunity. Go out and stalk Julia Quinn's house. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on her door. Oh, woman. <laughs> you gonna get me arrested. <laughs> okay, that, we do not encourage that sort of behavior here. No, on. we do not. Uh, but, you know, if she ever does, like, a book event or something like that, I'm definitely going to go. And um, Oh, for sure. I think she does occasionally, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Have her sign a book. But, uh, and I'll get a picture because, you know, that's what you do. Um, okay, folks. Well, uh, we have reached the end of this special book club episode. And the next time you hear from us, season two will be upon us. Oh my god, it's believe? so uh, no, I can't. It's finally, finally here. So uh really super excited about it. Uh one thing to note, um, we are going to watch and podcast about the show one episode a week. So Rita and I have agreed not to binge the show as soon I as know. it is released. Um, and uh, just the, hearing the struggle... you say that out loud gave me anxiety. Uh, I, I know like... the the, <sighs> the struggle is real, people. <sighs> um, so uh, on Tuesday, twenty uh, ninth of March, uh, look out for our podcast on two oh one. And if you want to talk to us, please remember to keep it spoiler free uh, because we don't want you know we we want to come at this whole thing fresh. Um, because I think it'll be a, a, a really fun experience to do that. Um, do you think that, be... or do you think it will make me cry? Because oh, it, sometimes I think it will. Every week we're going to get to the point where, you know, the the end credit music comes on. And trying to shut little, it off before it. Yeah, that little <laughs> next episode thing is going to be like speeding across the screen and we will have to go back netflix if you're netflix if you are listening can you make the end credits thing last a little longer because it's literally within 10 seconds and i'm sprinting across the room i'm not fit enough for this shit i'm like trying to relax and then, like, I'm like, I can't even watch one second because that will be a spoiler. And exactly. Please, Netflix, sort it out. E- yeah. Exactly. Just chill out the next episode thing. Uh, just a few more seconds. Help assist out. Um. Anyway, 
Uh, we will be bringing back our inbox section, uh, so please email us at inthebooksnetwork at gmail.com. If you want to be read out on the show, or um, you could go to our Tumblr, or and you can message us anonymously. Uh, it's really up to you. Uh, we are available on all your social medias at In The Books Network. And if you like our podcast, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are getting your podcasts. It really helps us out. Thank you so much for joining. And until next time, goodbye. Bye.